Let's pray. Father, we ask and we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can be you as we see ourselves in Him. Your name alone is glorified, even as we are glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, so we are continuing our series on you are not born a sinner. So let's start from Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus said unto them, and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And the emphasis on that place is the word teach. And that means the authority that Jesus is giving to them here is giving them an authority in getting men saved and to teach men concerning Christ. That is, you see in Luke 24, verse 25 to 27, where it says, And all fools... And he said unto them, O fools, love how to believe all that the prophet has spoken, ought not Christ to have believed, or be ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory. And beginning from Moses and all the scripture, he began to expand unto them the things concerning himself. So this was Jesus, and upon the resurrection, giving them an instruction, you will see the same in Luke 24. Verse 44 to 48 also, you see what Acts 1 verse 3, where he showed himself with many infallible proofs. So knowledge is key for the believer. You must go for knowledge because um, Jesus rose from the dead and gave them a vital proof from the scriptures. He didn't just show himself and say, oh, guys, I'm alive, um, pickable, um, uh, let me now see my face, guys. I'm just here, you know, um, um, pick me up at the airport, guys. You know, that's not what he did. He showed himself with so many infallible proofs and he expounded, it, he expounded unto them concerning the scriptures. So that's to show you that as a believer, you must go for knowledge. You must be well thought. And he told them and he gave them an instructions to teach people, to raise men, to raise disciples. And the best way to raise disciples is by teaching. You can't raise disciples that you have not thought. And you have to teach. And in teaching, there is explanation. In teaching, there is training. In teaching, there is, um, there is emphasis. You have to learn to repeat yourself often. In teaching and training people. So Jesus taught his disciples. Jesus was teaching. So uh, we, we, we've been looking at how to interpret the text of the scriptures, in, uh, particularly in this series. And we said the, the number one way to interpret text of the scripture, can somebody remind me, is what? Number one way to interpret text of scripture, Ben and Bridget. in this series. Read the text like a conversation. Hey, men are brethren. And I'll be repeating myself. <laughs> hey. Number one way of repeating of interpreting text of scriptures is read the Bible text 
like a conversation. Now we said, the use of shafas of verses do not come from the authors. They were introduced by the translators. And we said the reader has a liberty or has the liberty to read the text as a conversation. That means you have to read the entirety of what the text is saying. You cannot just agree and say, oh, you just read the text and say, this is it. No, you have to read it as a conversation. Where did the conversation start from? Who is the speaker talking to? Who? So you have to understand. We, that's why we started looking at um, the epistles and we said, some part of the epistles were not even written to you. They were written to the churches. I don't know if you remember that. that they were written to the churches and... We now said you have to learn to read the text of the scriptures as a conversation. So that means you must not quote out of context. You must read in context. You will see the grammatical structure. Num number two way of reading the Bible is, or interpreting the text of the Bible, is grammatical structure. You must read the text of the scripture. You must examine the structure of the text that you are reading. And you must rework it into new paragraphs. Uh, and in fact, I've, I've had to buy a New Testament Bible. I'm going to buy a new, I'm even planning to buy both an Old Testament and a New Testament Bible. That did, I already have one that did not have chapters and verses. That is just paragraphed. And I just feel like, it's going to help you understand in context. I don't know if you know that. When you are reading chapters and verses, they seem to be a way you peg things in your mind. I don't know if you have that way when you are reading. You don't be pegging things like, okay, this way I stop. Because they've constructed it for you in your head. On this is where I stop. I don't know if you have read novels before that is run on. Like, just praga, praga. Like, they can have like 100 pages for one chapter. I've never read novels like that before. Then chapter 2 can be the, another 100 or 200 pages. Then you'll be wondering, ah, ah, can't this thing be, can, when am I going to get into the next chapter? Who, how many of you doing that? If it is me, let me tell you what I used to do in those times. If I'm feeling lazy, I'll just go to maybe like chapter 4, go and read, flip the pages and say, ah, what we do? So when I can't understand, I'll now quickly go back. <laughs> I remember I've encountered that time of TV before you're reading novels. I'll now quickly go back and just say, Oh, <laughs> this, this, is, this is like uh, tongues, you know. So, number two way of interpreting Bible text is by reading Bible in grammatical structure. You have to understand the grammatical structure. That means, when I mean grammatical structure, you have to, if the needs arise, you have to rework them into new paragraphs. You have to, sometimes in reading the text, you have to have exact punctuation marks because it's English, so you have to be smart. Are you getting what I'm saying? Exact punctuation marks to make them comprehensible. And, we, and like we said, we said chapters, verses, and punctuation mark contains in the Bible were not put by the authors. It was the translators that put them there to fit in. Don't forget, they were not originally written in English. Are you seeing that? Number three way, of interpreting the text is the grammar. So what's number one? You read the Bible like a what? A conversation. Number two, grammatical structure. Number three, you read the grammar. How do you interpret the text of scripture? The grammar. And we said, it is important for you to know that some words are not as English as they sound. 
as they sound. So applying English language words will mean you are making erroneous conclusions. So words are not as English as they sound. And we said, no writer of scripture ever spoke English. Not Moses, not Abraham, not Jacob, not Paul, not Peter, not Jesus. They never spoke English. So we must always step into the language they spoke in order to see what it meant or what they meant. So recall that in translation, we must see that how some words may present themselves, but the translator will take, let me tell you what the translators do. The translators will take the words and see the possible meanings and say, okay, that's why I'm wary of a one-man translator. When they say it's a one-man that translated the Bible, I, I, I'm wary of that translator. You know why? The person will be biased. But do you know that if we see that as a team now, and we deliberate, and we say, um, and we deliberate on a text, and we say, um, let's agree on this text. What do you think will be the possible meaning of this? What do you think will be the possible meaning of this? Do you know that we all reach a conclusion and say, the one you reach, the one we reach, we will be able to agree and say this is one. But if it is just one person. That one person will just give you what he thinks it is. Or the, you know, the thing that charismatic call Rema. You know, say, this is my own Rema and interpretation to this verse. That's how there's one Bible, the Deliverance Bible, or something. And everything is linking. <laughs> everything is linking to Deliverance. You're wondering, bro, how? You get what I'm saying? So, um, they would take the possible words. It's like saying, I did something when I was teaching in, in Nigeria in December, and I said, Ajano, this, this is a Yoruba word now. Ajanokuto migo kiji kiji. And I said, Can somebody translate this to me in English? So, come and see. Everybody had different, in, a lot of people, about, so I took about five people. So about five people have possible different meanings. They, they were saying the same thing, but they just interpreted it different ways. And I told them, I said, now when we say a janokuto we can say maybe a lion. If you want to interpret it literally, you can say a lion that is shaking the forest heavily or strongly, right? Or you can say, now if you don't want to interpret it figuratively, you can say, um, what can you say? Yoruba people. Joy. What can you say? Eh? Eh? A great force. Or something. Now see, now look at look at the interpretation. A great force. Now that means that. Look at my own literal interpretation. Look at my own. Okay, let me let, let's let's leave Yoruba. Let's let's do a word that. People will understand. Make A why the sun is shining. Let's even do English. Let's interpret it. When somebody says make A why the sun is shining, you know, today now, right now in today in Rochester, if we see a sun, do you know that you and I will be happy? Because at least it will dry up the snow. 
it will calm the tension in the city. <laughs> Everywhere is just white in the city, like, like, hallelujah. But actually, we need some sun. Now, it can also mean be fast so that you don't miss the timing. It can also mean take advantage of the opportunity. Are you seeing the variety of meaning in just one word? Now, that is exactly the problem the translators will go through when they are interpreting this text of scripture. So if they read something in Hebrew or maybe in Greek and they say, just like there's something we've been looking at for a while and we said Zoe is a Greek word though. You know, Zoe is a Greek word. Zoe is no people have English by Zoe. Zoe, I have Zoe, I have Zoe. Uh -uh. I have the life of God. It's more recently we now found that, that there's a deeper meaning to that Zoe that everybody has been shouting. But nobody wants to accept it that that's not, it doesn't necessarily always mean life of God. But nobody wants to accept. It's, it was just recently now, personally. I mean, it has been around, but the only thing I found out that eternal life doesn't mean what we think it was. It's from the Greek word aeos, aeos zoe or something like that, aeos something. And it does simply, and it's, 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 the meaning is more than what we think that maybe like an afterlife or something like that. Don't worry, we're coming to that soon. <laughs> so, but you know what will happen? When you now check, when you now study, you now look at those things and you now see, you now see, um, you now see the possible meanings. They will now pick one for you. They faced that issue in translating. As you get to what I'm saying, just like um, some babayas or now, we said, what do you, short. I thought you will forget. I surely got you some abayas now. Imagine we say, now let's say you want to Englishify it. When we say I surely got you, can we say collection of data? I surely got you. Collection of, can we say collection of facts and details? Ashley Gadi is staying, is too staying in your head. What is it, Ashley Gadi? It's like you are gathering details together now, bringing up everything, summing up all information and facts. You get to what I'm saying? Into a hole. You get to what I'm saying? That's all my Azu. But now, now imagine what the kind of translators we face. Sometimes I, they are doing a good job. Oh. They are trying. It's only there are some translations I don't like in this life, and nobody can make me like them. I'm not going to mention them, but nobody cannot think can make me like them. The way the way the way they will explain the thing, you'll be wondering, ah, bro, Jesus did not say this one. They've so they've so Englishified it. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. So we have the we are, we now what 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 do we do now in our today's world? We now have the right to look at it. That's why we go back into the Greek. We go back into the Hebrew to check the original words. So we said, the words are not as English as we suppose. So the audience of the Old Testament, let me, let me give you some background, lived in a culture different from what we have. 
Same with the audience of the New Testament. The audience of the New Testament did not have McDonald's. They did not have laptop. They did not have iPad. They did not have... They did not have Chick-fil-A. They did not have... Eh? Vision Pro. <laughs> I can't imagine Moses seeing Vision Pro and saying, ah, this is idol worship. You know, that's what we call it. Uh, this one will take away God from you. This is the real image. When you say, don't make a gravy image. <laughs> you know, that would be their own way. If they to ask them now today, if, they, if Moses is to come back to our world and they sit Moses down and say, what is that graven image that, that you spoke about? How can you connect it to this world? You just say, your phones, your TV, your Netflix account, Vision Pro Mass, your laptop. You don't measure everything that is technology. Because he didn't have it in his time. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, fan love. <laughs> Some people, they can die for fan love. Some people say, fan love, fan love. Some say, ah, let's not talk. So, imagine, if football lovers, they tell you, Messi is the greatest, which he is, I agree. I mean... <laughs> I mean, he's still the greatest. Ronaldo can never be the greatest. No, 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 no. Allah really can't be passed. He's just going to accept it. He's going to, he's going to tell you, oh, I like that song. <laughs> or he'll be speaking Hebrew. I'll tell you how much he like this song. <laughs> so their language... We'll be different from this time. So, the audience of the Old Testament was a Near Eastern culture. So, their communication at that time was done through stories and events that they could relate with. Just like our own, we, just like even the New Testament. The New Testament is another culture and world that they can also relate with. So, communication today is done via events and the audience can readily relate with it. So this shows us how the scripture is written and how it must be understood. So to read the scripture today and thought the author spoke English in reading the scripture is an error. When you are reading the scripture, know that what you are reading is not what the author said. It's not, it's, you, it's only a translator, it's only a translation of how the author said it. And you get to what I'm saying. So, it is important for us to state that the Bible also is not a book of science. That's one thing you should know. The Bible is not a book of science. The authors were not giving scientific explanation to events. So, when you read Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the earth. That's not, that's scientific. They were not giving scientific explanations to events. They wrote about a supernatural world and not a scientific world. Genesis 1 is not a creation story of when, boom, they just started creating the world. In fact, I found out more recently that the word creation or um, it's, it's from the Hebrew word banner and it means a series of events that has happened over time. 
<laughs> now you, you think creature does mean BIM! They just created it and molded it green. <laughs> it's a series of events. When they say create, it's just like saying um, days and time. On the first day, the Lord created this. That first day, that's how it can be 100,000 years. It doesn't mean day, it doesn't mean Monday. <laughs> that's not what they mean. And you get what I'm saying. Because remember I told you, just like how we are looking at the word image, and I said, you know today now, in the word image is the way, is like image, PNG, mirror. In their whole world, image is not what we think. Image is a, is a, is a uh, physical representation of a supernatural being, a deity, an idol. How you get what I'm saying? Now, and every man is created in the image, every man. Every man born on this earth is in, is in that image. Now, and now, so look at that. So if you thought that, as you are now, I'm created in the image of God, yes. But, you know, there's, there's something that everybody used to use to make themselves happy. Me, I'm in the image of God. It's not physical appearance. You are in the image of your parents. Are you getting what I'm saying? But look at that... Um, what I just explained now, creation banner, a series of events that happens over time. Now, if you now see it as on the first day, Monday, on the second day, Tuesday, on the third day, <laughs> on the seventh day, in our rest is Sunday, you are joking. Rest does not even mean inactivity. Rest does not mean he's sleepy. Rest is of the Hebrew word menuka. It doesn't mean inactivity. Or Sabbath or rest. It doesn't mean inactivity. It means the work just begun. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? It means that they, there's, there's still more to do. I won't even get what I'm saying. But you see that the Bible is not as English as you think. But if you are reading it in the lessons of, I want to go and rest. When you say that now today, it means you want to go either take a nap, or you want to go and sleep, or you want to go and lie down and not do anything. But when it says God rested, it means he just started his work again. <laughs> It doesn't mean inactivity. It means he's still working. Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I, I don't even get what I'm saying. <laughs> so, but if you read it that way now, if you can read and say, oh, on the first day, it's today now, if you say on the first day, you are telling the person Monday, or at most Sunday, or at most January. In the beginning, in our today's world now, it's January. In the middle, it's like August or June. In the ending, it's like December. That's why it seems like everybody's target is that I must make it before the Christmas Day. Christmas Day is just a celebration. It's not an achievement day. <laughs> Or before Thanksgiving. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
Uh, so, these are things that we must pay attention to in the reading of scripture. And so, we, so we said, so just to give you a recap before we get into our major topic, Genesis 1 was not an attempt by the writer to explain how the earth came to, the, to existence. Nope. What did he use to explain the creation story? What, he did, what, what, what did the writer use to explain the creation story? He used what was known to the Near Eastern world culture. Just like every culture today has a story. It's like saying in America today now, I'm using Christopher Columbus' story. How he discovered Americas in the 16th. And, I mean, and the next thing is, you know, I started... I now use that story to explain to you certain things in scripture. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they use a story, or let's say to the blacks in the, in the United States, I use the slavery issue, or I use the Martin Luther King story, or I use the Juneteenth, you know, the Juneteenth, the Black History Month. I think February is Black History Month. I use the Black History Month, I say, okay. And I use it to explain something. A story that they are familiar with in the Near Eastern culture. So he just picked up that story and used it. It wasn't a creation story. Are you, because we can't take away the cultural aspects from their writing. You can't, it's, 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 see, if you read a book, and that's why it seems like I talk about Chimamanda is just as she a lot. The reason why I talk about her a lot is because she's quite known in the Western world. But yet, she did not leave her tribal issues out of her novels. Such that she titled one of her books, Ijewele. That's a native name. You know, that's quite native. In Papua Abisko, she used native Nigerian names. Or native African names. Because I know that some parts of Africa bear Ujin. Uh, but you will use it as English. If it is in my own Yoruba way, I will call it Ogene. <laughs> but you will just say Eugene. Are you getting what? She used native names. And yet, the way, see, let me tell you. That's why I said something. The Western world, the Western world cannot really understand what she's writing. It, it, they don't know what happened in 1976. Actually, if you read half of a yellow sun, you can't understand of a yellow sun if you don't understand. Me, the reason why that book was so easy for me to understand was because I already took that class in government. They already taught me when I was in high school, government, what happened in 1976. The Biafra war in Nigeria, the Biafra war that happened. So she just, and why was she able to write like that? Our role model is Shuna Ashibi. Who is Shuna Ashibi? Shuna Ashibi is the writer of Things Fall Apart. What did things fall apart? Things fall apart was like a satire to ridicule the occurrence of what was happening in that time, but yet funkify it and you will not know. You'll just be enjoying the movie, not knowing that they are trying to tell you a story. I don't even get what I'm saying. So that was so that, that's why I say, like I talk, you can't take away our culture from what she's writing. That's why all these feminists, I, I, I read one thing she wrote recently and she said, this thing that she's, she said she's a feminist too. But she said the way she sees all these feminists, she said all these feminists are just using their own as anger. Anger towards, she said she even told them to heal up. 
<laughs> I was so surprised. He said, please, Elop, don't use your feminism as an approach to, to now hate men. To now, because she is happily married. Somebody that is happily married, <laughs> and you, you are just there fighting feminism and saying, men are scum, men are this, men are that. The person that is telling you and making you have a voice is married properly and traditionally as an Igbo woman. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? So you can't take away their core. In fact, even in scripture, you can't take away their cultural approach from the way they study the Bible. You can't. For you can, in the writings of scripture, you can't take it away. The culture is there. You will see it. You will see Abraham's culture. You will see the culture in the Old Testament. You will see it. So they use that same culture to talk about the faith, about God, and they were using it to explain the supernatural world, not science. So Genesis 1 is not a science story. Hear me again. Genesis 1 is not a science story. It is a creation story and a story of a supernatural world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, with this understanding now, you will know that to read the scripture scientifically, you will be wrong. So, how do you now interpret the text? We said number one, you read it like a conversation, right? Number two, you understand the grammatical structure. Number three, you what? Read it, you read the grammar. Number four. But before I get to number four, look at in Genesis 32, verse 24 to 29. You will read that story and you will see that. It says, Jacob was wrestling with a man. You know, it says, there was a literal sense of a contest. I want you to, to, to open up Genesis 32. It says, Jacob and a man wrestled. The first thing to note was, that event was not a vision. I know that many of you have read this text. In fact, um, I was talking to one of you, and the person, the person was telling me about this text, and, I, and the mother was having an, um, a conversation with this text. I said I was going to explain it. And one thing you should know in this Genesis 32, where it says, And Jacob was left alone, and wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day, and he and he saw that he prevailed not against him, and he touched the oil of his star, and the oil of Jacob's star was a joy, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the daybreaker. And he says, I will not let thee go. He said, thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thou shalt be called no more Jacob, but Israel, and a prince, and thou has great power with God. This is where we got that song. And prevail, and I have great power with God. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> For a priest that have great power with God, and that has prevailed. Are you seeing it? And I said, Jacob asked her and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he says, What is it that thou doest after my name? And he said, And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life was preserved. Now look at that text carefully, and I want you to pay attention. The first thing you should know in this text is that the event in this text was not a vision, it was physical. It actually happened. If it was a vision, you would have seen, they would have told you he dreamt. Do you know why, the, why you would have seen it? Look at Genesis 28. Put your hands there. Go to Genesis 28 verse, verse, verse 12. 
Genesis 28, verse 12. So that you will see Jacob's story. Genesis 28, verse 12. Look at that. He says, what did he say there? He says, and he dreamed, and behold, the letter set forth to the heaven, and on the top, and reached to the heavens, and behold, what happened? The angels of God are sending and descending on it. So, do you see that? What happened in Genesis 32 could not be a vision. Because if it was a vision, they would have showed us that he's either dreaming, he's either he slept, are you getting what I'm saying? He's either he fell into a trance, are you getting what I'm saying? He's either he woke up from this experience, but this was a numb... Because he just, in verse 24, in Genesis 32, verse 24, he said, Jacob was left alone. That's not a dream. He was not left alone sleeping. He was left alone wrestling. That's fighting. So it was a physical event. So what gives us the assumption that now look at something new. <laughs> look at something. I want to want to want to do Bible study. What gives you the you know today now when you say wrestle, your next mind is going to Atoni Joshua, the boxer wrestling. Your mind is going to ah, it must have fought. Hey, oh yeah, oh, I will not let you go today. Hey, Agba, hey, hey. You know, <laughs> sorry, I'm over Madaro. That is that. You, you want to go like that? <laughs> if you have never experienced that thing before, you, you are lucky. <laughs> have you? Have the boss conductor? <laughs> Did you shake it before that you are praying that Lord I beg I beg God I beg God my life? <laughs> I remember one time I was traveling one time and we, we we stopped. I think it was in Ibadan and we stopped. This was twenty. I think one of the first two years I traveled and they just because police wanted to collect some money from me. So they collected my passport. They say, ah, ah, need for your passport, yeah. Oh, oh travel. Who would have won? I need for all the money in my pocket. <laughs> I gave them fast. <laughs> well, God bless us. Anyway, now look at it. If your mind, if you are reading it in English, okay, let's go back again. What's the way we read this scripture? Read it as what? A conversation. Number two, the grammatical structure. Number three, the grammar. Now, if you took the grammar and just read it like wrestling, you was doing, eh? I will give you blow. I will not grieve for you. And you know, so people today will tell you, remember Jacob, he wrestled. Breja, is that how you should pray? Is that how you should pray? You should pray like somebody that wants to fight. So they're not telling you, oh yeah, oh yeah, to you to be doing gymnastics, oh yeah, oh yeah, so we are praying, you do, oh, 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 because they told you, <laughs> because they told you that you have to wrestle, you, and you must wrestle, because just like Jacob, he wrestled. So if you go and read it with Anthony Joshua's spirit, Imagine you read this type of text of scripture in the night and say, tonight is the night. Lord, Jacob wrestled. Close your Bible. Tonight I'm going to wrestle. 
Well, it is your apartment office that will give you quick notice immediately. <laughs> After you have punched the wall several times, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> now, what do, now, now, we have to look at, if you take wrestling, context, is the word wrestle very well? Hmm. 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 You know, even the word man, M-A-N, is different from Adam and was sometimes used for supernatural being. Let me show you in Joshua 5, verse 13. That's why you have to be very careful in reading. Joshua 5, 13. So how does this relate to you are not born a sinner? <laughs> this relates 100%. If you don't have to study your Bible, you will just be thinking you are born a sinner. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Look at Joshua 5.13. Joshua 5.13. Look at something there. Look at that. Because he said, um, look at that. You know, in, in, in that um, Genesis 32, he said, Jacob wrestled with who? A man. So now you will be thinking, is the man a man, like a human being, or who? And later he now said he saw God face to face. Are you getting what I'm saying? So who is the man? Look at another Joshua now. Look at how he spoke in Joshua 5.13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, he stood over against him, and his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went down. I says, are thou for us? And no, look, don't forget, it says he lifted up his eyes and look and behold, he stood a man, right? A man, right? Pay attention. No. He says, are thou for us or, thou, or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, as a captain of the host of the Lord, I am come. And Joshua fell into the face and did worship him and said, What and uh, what saith my Lord to his servant? But what did he say he saw? What did he say he saw? See, pay attention to this thing. When we start looking more into supernatural world, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. He said he saw a man. What did George, What did Jacob saw and wrestled with? A man. So that means man now can be both physical man and who? Supernatural being. You now have to check the context very well. I wonder if I get to what I'm saying now. You now have to get the context very well. Now, so the word man in Joshua 5.13 is the same word man in Joshua 32 verse 1. Now, but the word wrestle in the English dictionary means to take part in a fight. Either as a sport or trying to throw a force on them to the ground. That's the word wrestle in the English dictionary. Where you are, yeah. I remember, when, I remember, <laughs> let me mention his name. He will not be offended. Samuel Kibola, where was the God in school? They say, what you do? Close Shelly, don't like, close Shelly. He cannot even deny it. Close Shelly, don't like it. And he's a liar, he cannot punch you. (laughs) 
The day I did it, I had a dick. The day I said, let me attempt what this guy used to attempt to. Some people are destined for this one. <laughs> but that's the word in English. But going back to the Hebrew, the original language that the book was written in, that the author knew what they were writing, it would be correct to say. Without, if it, I'm saying, without going back oh, to the original writing, without going back to the Hebrew, if you just read it, you just say, ah, is he not a man? Who cannot fight with a man? Abinao, you fight. <laughs> but that word in Hebrew had nothing to do with fighting to win. The word in Hebrew means to be dusty, to roll on the floor. That's the word wrestle. It means to be dusty, he roll on the floor. So Jacob was rolling on the floor, and in so doing, he got dusty. So can we say, worship? Remember when we studied praise and worship some years ago, we looked at obedience and we said worship, lying down, right? Can we say that? Can we say he rolled on the floor and he was praying? Look at how Osea gave us the detail. When other writers will say, Osea 12. Osea 12 verse 4. Look at how Osea will give us the detail. Are you learning something? So is it? Oh yeah, my full and blue. Is that, sorry if you don't understand what I just said. I will give you blue. That's the meaning of my full and blue. <laughs> Look at Isaiah twelve verse four. He says he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication, and he found him better. And he spoke to us. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Is, did did Isaiah say he fought? Did Isaiah say he fought? Ah. So it simply means. To be dusty. That word wrestle in the Hebrew, it means to be dusty. To roll on the floor. And why was this so? Genesis 22 verse 28. Look at it, verse 28. Look at verse 28. So if you thought you will go and fight, that the day you see an angel like this, you will hold it. You will hold the shokuta and break the leg of the angel. You hold the trouser and break the leg of the trouser. In fact, there was one teaching that I heard some years ago. Why have you not beaten your angel? Something like I, I can't remember how they said it. It was a question of wrestle with the angel. Something like that. I, I can't remember. I, I, well, if I remember, I'll tell you. There was something about that teaching that they say you have to contend or fight very well. But why did he do it? Look at the verse 20. It says, And thy name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou art power with God and with men, and thou hast what? Prevailed. And that what prevailed means 
to have legal rights and privilege. So he now had legal rights and privilege. So the writer was describing an event of Jacob in the presence of God, ruling on the floor in prayer and supplication. So he was praying. So Jacob was simply praying. And what happened? A supernatural being came to him and told him, you know what? You now have a legal right and privilege. So this conclusion cannot, could not have been reached without taking a look at the words spoken. In the light of the time of their own language. If we have read it in our own language, hope you know, you and I will still be thinking it is fighting. Right? Hope you know. Uh, you will still be thinking they were fighting. No, it is not. It is not. Hallelujah. So, number one, how do you interpret the text of scripture? Number two, Number three, the grammar. Number four now, what is the text interpreting? What is the text interpreting? I will stop in this number four for a reason. And we'll pick it up later. What is this text interpreting? Scripture, we always interpret scripture. So in order to understand the text, you must ask a question. What area is the Old Testament in this text, interpreting. Not forgetting that interpreting the text of a book is best understanding by is best understood by reading the book before it. If you want to understand Exodus, read Genesis. If you want to understand Genesis, read Exodus. If you want to understand Leviticus, read just read the book before it, and um, you will understand. So we say number one. Number two, number three, number four, what is the text interpreting? So now, this leads us to, you are not born a sinner. Because if we learn to interpret text well, we will not have problems with what the text of scripture is saying. We will not. So, let's go to Genesis 3. Have we looked at the serpent in the course of this series? Have we looked at fruits? We should have looked at fruits. Look at in Genesis 3 verse 1. He says the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And the Lord said unto the woman, Ye shall not, and ye, out of every tree, ye shall eat of the tree of the fruit of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So here we see Adam and Eve. And um, what God told them not to do, and they disobeyed it. And what does the serpent mean? And we said, did the physical serpent talk to Adam and Eve? 
And we said serpent is a word that is sometimes used for an animal called snake. You see, it was used for physical snake in Exodus 4 verse 3, Numbers 21 verse 9, Proverbs 23 verse 32, and it does not also always refer to physical snake. Sometimes it is used figuratively. Just like in Genesis 49, verse 17, Genesis 49, 17, where it says, Thou shall be the serpent by the way, and other in the path that biteth the horse ill, so that the rider shall fall backwards. So that was one of the sons of Jacob. And it was described as a serpent. So, go back in, in, if you go back to that Genesis 3 verse 1, the creation year spoke to Eve, whereas the snake of our today's world, or not even today's world, the sna snake does not talk. So the reference here was not to a snake, but a supernatural being, which had the characteristics of a serpent. So that means, what was the writer describing? The writer was not describing a serpent who is physically talking, but he was describing the person who spoke, and the character is the character of a serpent. I might not forget what I said. So now, that's why you will see, look at in Psalm 140 verse 3. Look at that. Let's go there. Psalm 140 verse 3. Psalm 140 verse 3. And they have sharp tongue like a serpent. Like a serpent, others poison is under their lips, seller. Look at in Jeremiah 46, verse 22. Jeremiah 46, verse 22. It says, the voice thereof shall go like a serpent, for they shall march with an army and come against an axis as hewers of wood. You also see in Micah 7, 17, and they described the persons that they were talking about, and they, were like, they likened those persons to a serpent, and it was figurative. So this means... We must not apply a general meaning of words in scripture. We must not. We must not make, we must not just say, assume and say, because Genesis 3 is a serpent. Everything in scripture is, everywhere we see serpent, is serpent, is snake. No, no, we must not assume like that. That's why I said the meaning of a word can only be determined in the context of the word. So the serpent interacted with Eve and communicated thoughts to her. That obviously, like I've always told us, is a supernatural being. 
And that supernatural being described was a, the supernatural being that was described there was described with the characteristics of a serpent. The word serpent was used figuratively to describe a being that was tempted to, 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 to tempt, that tempted Eve to disobey God. If you even read Matthew 23 in the New Testament text, Matthew 23 verse 33, Jesus called the Pharisees serpents. Matthew 23 verse 33. He says, ye serpents. Matthew 23 verse 33. He says, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnations of it? So Jesus was calling the Pharisees serpents. Did he mean that they were actual snakes? No, that's not what he mean. He was directly comparing their characteristics with that of a serpent. So even though he used the word serpent, he was still referring to men. Say with Mark 16 verse 18, he says, you shall take up serpent. Does he talk, is he talking about physical serpent now? Can we say men? Can we say he used serpent here? Does he that the believer will take snake with their bears? No. But can we say he will define that we will take up the works of the enemy? Can we say that? As a figurative use, right? So when he says you shall take up serpent, don't go and be looking for serpent with your bears. Labroshuski Panamaya. It says we shall take up serpents. I'll take you. The serpent will take you. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's why even in Luke 10, verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you power to do what? To tread upon serpent and scorpion and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. So when he's talking about treading upon serpent and scorpion, was it literal? It was not literal. It simply means it was taking charge of the works of the devil. Revelation 12, 9 says that old serpent called the devil. This shows us that the serpent of Genesis 3 is what? A supernatural being called what? The devil. So the devil tempted Eve to disobey, tempted Eve and ultimately Adam to disobey God. And sadly, they did. And we are gradually entering the cause of it. So notice that God was not controlling any parties here. He gave them a choice, right? He gave them a choice to choose. So for the first example of sin, it was obvious that was man born a sinner from Adam and Eve? Were they, were they sinners first before they disobeyed God? Okay, good. So that means... Man was not born a sinner. Rather, man's action makes them a sinner. Man was not born. Nobody, just like Adam and Eve, nobody was born a sinner. It was the action of man that made man a sinner. His choice, his disobedience. Are you, are you getting that? Before that time, we are the sinners. Are you seeing it? So, when a baby is born today, does he become a sinner? 
hold on before you say no. We want to ask a question. If I were you, I would put this down. Did Adam's sin affect every other person on this earth? I thought this some years ago. Did we sin in Adam? This becomes a very vital question. Was, because now you can, somebody will say, that's Adam. What about me? Was the sin of Adam passed down via physical reproduction? Or was his choice made on behalf of the whole world? Till today, everybody says, I blame Eve. Oh, women. Ah, women. I blame Eve. Adam and Eve. Why? Did their choice, did they make a choice on behalf of the world? Well, since we have sinned, now everybody that come after us, we have decided to make you people see that. Let's check. Let's look at Cain and Abel. Because the best way to check will be to examine their offspring, the people that they even first gave birth to. Amen. Alright, look at Genesis 4, verse 2. Are we gradually now approaching our subject? Somebody say, why did it take us this long? Because it took you this long to not understand. Genesis 4 verse 2. And she came again. Or let's start from verse 1. And Adam knew his wife. And she conceived and bare and bear Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of his sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Mm. Observe the profession of both Cain and Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of ground. Now, that word offering in verse 3, where it says, the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. That word offering in verse 3 refers to a tribute. In the Hebrew, it refers to a tribute, a gift, a present. So the narrative here, both says that the brother brought, or both brothers brought a present, a gift to God. As stated earlier, we only said figure of speech, we're used to communicate um, realities, right? So we can ask, what will be the fruits of the ground? What will the fruit of the ground or the firstling of the flock signify? Whatever it signify, we relate with what God demanded from them. And that will go back, that will take us back, because this will take us back now to Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17, where it says, God commanded them of every tree of the ground that may fear it, of every God of good and evil that shall not eat for the day that is there, you shall surely die. Because, now watch what I'm saying. Let me explain what I'm saying very well. 
They say they brought an offering. And we said an offering simply means a tribute, a present, a gift, right? And we said that what we, the fruits of the ground or the firstlings of the flock that they brought signify. Whatever it will signify, we relate to what God demands. It's like saying, you are bringing something to me now. Whatever you are bringing to me must be what I will like. What I want. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. What I desire. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's like saying you are buying a gift that you know I don't like. And you just say, well, let me just buy a gift. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's like saying you are buying him. Let me see. Let me see what I don't like. Eh? Samsung. Samsung. <laughs> or Android phone. It's like say you are buying me an Android phone and say you are giving me as a gift. Ah. I'll just say wow. Thank you. I will open it. There's nothing I want to use it for. I can't operate it. I don't know how to operate it. I've not used the last time I used anything Android was tab. That was how many years ago? More than more than 10 years ago now. That's it was a tab. Because I moved from Blackberry straight to iPhone. Straight, like no wasting of time. And I stayed on Blackberry for years. I mean, those times of BIS, you have to ping. Do you, have, do you have BIS subscription? See, it was like pride. Have you done your BIS? Have you done your BIS subscription? They have BIS. What's your pin? Give me your pin. So I'll ping you. Hey, if you don't have pin, I can I, I still remember my pin. Two two. No, then let me say it. I still remember my pin. Ah, let me ping you. What an error. I wish they never. It's when they sold it to Android. You see this Android people. <laughs> You see what it's It's when they sold that thing to Android, the thing died. They should have just kept it for themselves. But when they sold that ping, so you start seeing an Android user to tell you, what's your pin? Rubbish. A Samsung user telling you, a techno, not even Samsung, techno, tell you, what's your pin? You are who? Are you doing BIS subscription? That if you do not have BIS, ah, I remember those days. If you do not have BIS or scripture, you just be bored. Everywhere you just be looking like, God, can you just bring the money for me? <laughs> Let me do my BIS. Or, once, you just, once I just get money, like, BIM! BIS or scripture, straight. Pinging, pinging. Ping, nothing, it's just chatting, it's just like WhatsApp. <laughs> but then it was just pinging. You know? Then from there, I moved to iPhone. Someone had told me, I started with iPhone 4. No, I might say iPhone 4. iPhone 1, the one that has tire. You roll it, roll it, roll it. That's where I started from. And then, and I'm moving to iPhone 4. From there, I'm here. Somebody will not tell me, you're not buying me a gift tonight. It's not be, uh, I'll just say, bless you, bless you. Which other thing do I not like? Fish, cook fish. You cook for me now, you put cooked fish inside. Ah, uh -huh. you want to poison me. Your, your thoughts for me are for evil. 
<laughs> you want to poison me? Cool fish, you're not grilled, not fried, not ah uh ah. -uh. You, you, your thought for me and for Eve. Shut that one again. I not like. Let me see. Should I give to get joy? Not like. Should that thing. What do I not like? What do you think? What do I not like? Eh? What do I not like? As gifts. What can I know? What can I not know accept right now? As gifts. How will I not like money? Who in this head does not learn money? Even if I, even if I'm still the richest man in the world, I will still like the money. I will still want more. What can I not like? What do I not like? Um, as gifts. Uh, so you don't even know. Maybe I bought me something before and I say you should return it. Anybody? Nobody. Wow. I don't say, but my countenance. <laughs> I don't say, but my countenance implies return it. Wow. Wow. Oh, yes. Now I'm thick and tired of that. I prefer the EA Max. I still prefer the wire earpiece and earmarks than the earpods. I don't know why. Just you just do like this the two before. Ah, what? Beg. You be positioning, positioning, positioning every time. Anyway, which other one again? Anyway, let's get back to the word. So whatever it signifies will be what God demands. So whatever that is, they say they will bring the first fruit of the ground, the firstlings of the flock, whatever it is signify will be what God demands. So that means it's obvious that the same choice, now look at it too, the same choice was presented to Cain and Eve, Cain and Abel. Same choice of don't eat of this thing. Eat of this one was presented to them. It was presented to them. And this was on the basis of their offering. It's like saying, I'm forgetting this. I'm forgetting the, the narrative. Adam and Eve's own was, don't do this one. Cain and Eve's own was offering. What, don't, what God does not like, you already know what God wants, you already know what God does not want. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's like saying, um, mm, it's like say right now you buy me um, a school bag, not church bag. That one, uh, <laughs> I, I still I like that one. Die. I mean, all this back in school bag. See, Pastor, I just think you need it. Ah, I'll just say bless you. You know, but my like you say, my countenance will mean return it. <laughs> I don't what am I using scuba for? <laughs> if I have two already that I'm not using, are you getting what I'm saying? I, I don't even get what I'm saying. Now it's like saying the offering now. What God wants 
what God does not want. So you heading, they heading no. And yet, can you say whatever? I beg. I will buy it. I will buy it like that. She be so dreadful. Let me buy it and let him not use it. That's what Cain did. That Android phone. I will buy the Android. I will tell Pastor, I will show Pastor the receipt that is a $2,000. Let me see if you will not use it. <laughs> God does not want it. Simple. Let me show him. Let me see if you will not use it. Are you seeing what they did? Uh, that was simple. The same thing was presented to them on the basis of their offering. So that's why in verse 4 he says, in that, uh, notice what he says in verse 4, where he says, And Abel brought up the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And what did they say? He says, The Lord had respect. Ayah. That word respect simply implies regard. He was used in Exodus 5, verse 9, where he says, Let them walk and lay them upon them, for they labor them, let them not let and let them not regard vain words. Exodus 5, verse 9, Exodus, um, Psalm 119, verse 117. Psalm 119 verse 117, where it says that we have respect unto their status continually. So the question is, what would a man do that God will have regard? Or what would a man do that God will have regard for or greatly respect as seen in Genesis 1? And don't forget too, he was the one that created the whole earth, including Achan and Abel. And including what Cain and Abel were said to have offered. Everything that he created, he created everything, including the, the things that Cain and Abel offered. But the only requirement God gave man was the instruction. In Genesis 2, 16-17, where he told them, don't do this one, do this one. So God respects or otherwise will be related to that. Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't know if you understand. It's like saying, what would a man do that will make God at that time? Now, take it as two scenarios now. They've seen their parents. Their parents. Now, Cain and Abel now. From Genesis 1 now, we now have just four chapters. You're reading the entire from Genesis 1 to 4, chapter 4. If you read in context, what would they have to do? Don't forget the whole head. Everything they are still trying to offer, God created it. Are you getting what? Even like, if we are to take the tree literally, the tree of the knowledge of good and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and everything, if we are to take it literally and say it's a physical tree, who created both? God. But yet, God still told them, don't do this one, do this one. Are you seeing it? Yet, that same instruction was passed to them too. This is how I want the offering. King was like, no, I'll buy this. I'll buy the techno phone. Chinko. That's what Pastor must use. You see iPhone 16 coming out, iPhone 15 coming out. Mm. One, that 1,000 that I used to buy Shinko for Pastor. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That is it. Or you gonna buy me um, maybe all this uh, Nissan Lore, Dastun Lore, the car that my father used when we were in primary school. You have my say, Pastor, bear the gift. That's too, Lore. 
You know, I will first, it, you know when they say blessings and causes, the first thing that might come up in my mind might likely be cause because <laughs> are you taking me back? <laughs> is this a generational cause? <laughs> are you getting what I was saying? You did not see, and you not say, Pastor, it's very expensive. Oh, you know, old cars now are very expensive. All those 90 something something cars, they are the most expensive cars now in the world. You wonder, ah, what's so special? How did they use in 90 something? That's what they are. They are even auctioning them. You are wondering, you're going for two million, two billion to this? Ha! Huh? A car that they used in 1990, 1950 something, 1940 something. And that's the cars that people are buying now. You, you're not gonna buy me that stone lorry. You, some of you might not know the car. I mean, you don't know it in Jesus' name. <laughs> the car, when they drive it, the thing will be shaking. Have you seen the car shaking? Like, I tell my father is there, he said, Drop me to Joshua, don't take me, sir. Thank you, Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me to school. We'll trek it. There was one day we were even going late. We were about to be late. He said, Let me just open it. Me and my friend Jura, I know he's going to watch this. He said, No, we don't say. <laughs> Jura was even the first one that shouted, No. Jura don't want this big boy to spoil. <laughs> Jordan says, no, sir. No, he now remember he's not his father. <laughs> I will never forget. <laughs> he did not know when he said it. <laughs> because the car girl we struggled. <laughs> we struggled. It's like say a 20 minutes drive took you 30 minutes drive. All in the name of <laughs> Somebody that say you want to you know say pastor we love you so much happy birthday ha <laughs> that was exactly what happened to Kennedy man are you getting what I'm saying so is it that he doesn't have the choice to know what is good indeed he knew what to do he knew the right thing to do he just did not do it. Just like Adam and Eve. If you understand it to this one, let me see your hands. They knew exactly what to do. So that was why. In verse 5, it says, But unto Cain and unto his offering, God had no respect, no regard. And Cain was very wrought, and his countenance fell. Uh-uh. You hated you. Why did you why are you just angry? You need to know the right thing to do. And he now says. And look at what God now said. The Lord said unto him, Why are thou wrought? Ah, you know, it's like saying, ah, Why are you angry? <laughs> why is your countenance falling? God was even You know, God is actually very gentle. Child. God is like saying, Ah, you know, Shelley, what's happening? You know, if thou doest way, if you, have, if you have done way, thou will be accepted. And if thou doest way, if thou does not do way, see light at your door and Unto thee shall be his desires, and thou shalt rule over him. Notice what God said unto Cain: If thou doest well, thou shalt not be as if thou doest well, thou shalt not be as This statement shows that God's ascension to Abel was not by chance or unpredictable. Cain had the capacity to do the same. Are you seeing it? That question of why are you angry? It's like saying if you, it's like saying somebody asking you why are you angry now? Did you know the right thing to do? It's like saying you feel you you you. 
you fail an exam and you do not read, you are not crying. Why are you crying? When you want to read, you are watching Netflix. Are you getting what If you knew the right thing to do, you would not fail. You know, I say the lecturer, the, the professor was so wicked. He said, Lies, you that was not passing. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? Ah. So, this shows that Cain had the capacity to do exactly the same thing that did. He said, He that dwells well. Ah. So, just like in Genesis 29, verse 9, Jacob said, Oh, Father, oh God, I said, Return unto thy country and I'll deal with thee. And um, um, let, me, let me show you something in Genesis 20, 32, verse 9. Genesis 32, verse 9. Are you learning something about this Cain and Abel thing? Mm. So that way, you, you can easily see that these guys, when we say did, did so did. Did um, Adam and Eve sin now automatically fall into Cain and Abel? No, it's, it's them that now did their own. It's every man is for his own now. Uh, Genesis 32 verse 9. It says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord has said unto me, Return unto thy country, and unto thy cringed, I will deal with thee. He says, I will deal with thee, so he used that word, I will deal with thee. And that's the same thing he said in Exodus 1.24. God dealt with the midwives and multiplied. He said, that means if thou dwells well. So it is for that to explain to us that if thou dwells well, that face means, the phrase thou does not is a direct opposite. So Cain was faced with two options. If thou dwells well, if thou does not do well. It's just like, if thou shalt eat of this fruit, if thou shalt not eat of this fruit, are you getting what I'm saying? So they two were faced with if you do well, if you don't do well. Are you getting what I'm saying? Ah. So this means that Cain was not evil or predetermined to be evil. Nope. It was not. Are you getting are you seeing it now? Somebody say, oh, but why is it that he's the first uh, child that used to have? No. Everybody to themselves. It was not evil. He just had a choice just like his parents. I think if this is poverty as this will solve a, this will destroy a lot of deliverance centers. <laughs> that, that thinks that every perfect child has problems so we are you getting what I'm saying? Uh, so the fact that Abraham chose rightly shows that choosing rightly was a choice that could have been made to anybody. Secondly, it shows that Adam's choice of life and death did not affect his offspring. They had to make their own decisions themselves. Genesis 2, verse 16. You see, Genesis 2, 16 to 17. It says, God commanded man of every tree of the garden, that may as freely yeast, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that may not freely yeast. Are you seeing it? So that shows to us that we are not say that. We cannot say that. Um, Adam and Eve's sin affected everybody's sin. That same choice was also presented to Israel. So if we look at in, if we apply Genesis 2, 16 to 17, and we say that Abel ate of the tree of life, and it shows that in Genesis 1, 1 to 5, we can say Abel chose light, the spirit of God, the day, well, we can say Abel chose light, Abel chose uh, the Spirit of God, Abel chose day, Abel chose heaven, because there are only two choices made available, just two. 
light darkness. Heaven hell. Heaven hate. <laughs> spirit, spirit, spirit of God, spirit of devil. <laughs> There's just two, two choices made available. You don't go to this box. I've been watching a lot of reality shows recently and I've been finding out that most of, I don't even watched The Trust. Um, I, I recently watched Surviving Paradise and man, you see the choices that they were given, you know? Yeah, choose this or this. You either choose to live in a jungle or you choose or you fight your way to live in paradise. You know the two. <laughs> so everybody has that choice. You either choose to accept this or choose not to. Go and, go and watch the trust. You will enjoy it. it is a, a, you either choose to accept um, the money or choose to share it. Either of the two. Everybody, that's life for you. Everybody is presented with a choice. You either be rich or be poor. You know there's no middle. <laughs> there's no summer rich. You're either rich or you're poor. You're either a brilliant person or you know no book. <laughs> you either have money or you don't have. You're either beautiful or ugly. Eh? Or you can be in the middle. <laughs> but there's always beautiful or ugly. You're either handsome or... This, this one thing that I heard one UK girl say. He say, eh, physically, she, 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 she coined the word, she, she, she translated that word ugly to another word. She called it physically undiminished men or something physically, physically unattractive. No, she did not use unattractive. The word was sweet that I did not quickly catch it that she was talking about ugly guys. <laughs> so she was explaining something. It's all of these stupid podcasts. So I just stumbled on it on TikTok. I, I, I swear back when we came back. Ah, what did this guy say? I swear back came back. Ah, and I thought that, oh, this is actually talking about ugly people, but she gave it a a funkify name. You're either tall or short. <laughs> You're either tall or short. <laughs> Are you getting, You're either skinny. But there's different. This one is different. But it's always, God has always presented a situation. Life and death. So, <laughs> so Adam, Eve, and Cain chose death, darkness. They chose without form and void. <laughs> and now, uh, the was not form and void. That was upon the surface of the deep. That's what they chose. <laughs> According to Genesis 1. Well, we always say Abel chose light, heaven. He chose spirit of God, the Ruach. Spirit of God was moving upon the surface of the earth. Can we say God said, Let it be light? He shows that one <laughs> instead of darkness upon the surface of the deep, form a void to wabu. Okay, so Israel too was presented with that same choice in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says, Blessing and curses have I choose before you. <laughs> Moses, I feel like Moses, Moses must be a savage a bit, you know. Says, you know, 
I've called heaven and earth to record this day against you. I've said before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life that you may live. <laughs> you know, it's like saying, whatever the other one is your consequence. <laughs> you know, it's just like when we are preaching the gospel today, I will tell you, if you don't believe, you are going to hell. You know, you and I cannot explain the hell. It's better, me and you can explain hell very well. <laughs> You can you can even at least lie to them and say there's shit of gold, angel will be singing. You just lie to them, just give them all those all those fake theology. You say, you say, but you and I, you know we cannot really explain it. We just say, ah, fire we bore. There was one person I had to preach to, and I changed my theology. I was just angry. They say, see, bro, fire will burn you. You will not believe. See, if fire is real. I change, I just change everything. I was still trying to do, you know, Jesus died for your sin. Jesus, the guy was just, ah, the guy was still, the, he was still trying to do. I said, hey, see, there's air fire, air fire, and I showed him internal lake. <laughs> the guy said, hey, I said yes. So you better believe. The guy did not believe. <laughs> So you have to choose. So the ability to choose, um, to choose clearly has to be seeing that you are not born a sinner. Say, I'm not born a sinner. sinner. You're not born a sinner. So everybody has the choice to choose. Just like in Joshua 24 verse 15, it says, um, Joshua 24 verse 15, and it seems good that you serve God. Choose you this day whom you will serve. The gods of your father, the Joshua told them, choose you this day who you serve. Is it the gods of your father that you serve on the other side of the floor or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dread? But as for me, that's where it is there. Me and my household will serve the Lord. So choose the gods of your father or the gods of the Amorites. You have to choose one. <laughs> choose you this day. Hallelujah. I think that's what I'm going to be doing for you in this church. <laughs> choose. <laughs> Even Jesus did the same thing for them in John 3, verse 14. Told them that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of God, that said, Whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And he told them, So let's say to them, For God said his only begotten Son to the world not to condemn. John 3, 14 to 18. And the emphasis there was just basically, He that believed, He that did not believe. Simple. That's how life is. He that believed, he that did not believe. So he refers to the same kind of choices we are always being. So the Bible is fixed with two choices in scripture. Are you seeing it? Two choices. Light, darkness. Evil, health. The spirit of God, darkness. Uh, is it that you choose evil or you choose to wabu? Or you choose <laughs> no form. Your life is no form and voice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to choose one, you know. So it shows that the one who believes has eternal life. The one who does not believe will perish. Simple. That's why Mark 16, 15 is very clear. Going to the other people, he that believes it shall be saved, he that believes it shall be damned. And that's how Mark wrote his own damned, you know. So in, in um, Romans 10, verse uh, 8, it says, Rest to it, says whosoever. That means anybody can call on the name of Jesus 
and Jesus will answer. But another question we have to examine, which will help us in studying this thing. Two questions. We we'll probably will pick one today and we'll pick the other one tomorrow. Two questions we have to study. Because if we say, now, do you know why, why now you have you are understanding and you already say, okay, I believe now that I'm not a sinner. Everybody can choose. But there's a scripture somewhere in Ezekiel 18. Let's go there. Because, and the question is this, if I will if put this question down. Does God visit the iniquities of the father on their children? Does God visit? I, I remember the first person that made me understand this thing, Reverend Kingsley, when he taught us this thing some years ago. And he said, and that thing made so much sense to me when he explained this thing. Um, Ezekiel 18, visiting the iniquities of the father. Because if you say, if you say you are not born a sinner, and you see this kind of text, how would you approach it? All right, let's go to Ezekiel 18. Are we learning something? Ezekiel 18, verse 2. We have a long read anyway, but I'll just keep serving things. Ezekiel 18, verse 2. What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying? And why is this also key? Because they also use the land of Israel thing here. It says, saying, the fathers have eaten as sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I have lived, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. In verse 4, it now says, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of thy father, so is the soul of the son that sinneth, and the soul that sinneth shall die. It now says, But if a man is just, be just, do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither has he lifted up his eyes to the idols, and the eyes of Israel, neither has he defied his neighbor's wife, neither has he come near to the menstruous woman. Has not oppressed any, has not restored the debtor of the, of the pledge, has not spoiled one none by violence, giving bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked of the garment. He had not given forth any horsery, neither had they taken increase that has been rejoiced in his side. Iniquity has executed true judgment between man and man. And what hath walked in my status and hath kept my judgment to deal with it, he is just, he shall truly live, see the Lord God. And he that begat a son that is a robber, he sheddeth a blood, and he that doeth like any of any one on these things, and doth not and doth not any of those duty, but at eating upon the mountains has defied his neighbor's wife. So if you read down, down to verse um, 19, let me just skip down to 19. Yet he now says, Yet say ye, why those not the son, bear the iniquities of the father, when the son has done the lawful and the right, and kept on my status and done them, shall he surely live. Now, we want to pick an emphasis there. In verse 4, he used the word, the soul. Now, that word soul is used there and implies a man. That's why you see in Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his daughter and became a living soul. That word soul there refers to a breathing creature. A breathing creature is used for both animal and man. So when it says soul, it's built for both animal and man. However, the context also determines in its usage. That's why I always tell you to use context every other time. Okay, let me just show you quickly. Some places where you see soul. 
Um, Genesis 19.20. Let me, let's see. Genesis 19.20. So that we will trace that word so. And that way we will be able to answer many of our questions on the identity of a man. Genesis 19.20. So the reason why we are going through this route is so that we can actually see um, who man truly is and how that he is alone in the sense of your own sin is not attached to your parents' sin. It's not attached to Adam's sin. It's not attached to the fact that they even gave birth to you in this world. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we are trying to... What, 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 do you see that? This is what we did with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. We separated their entities and we saw that what Adam and Eve did did not affect Cain and Abel. Are you seeing it? Now, we are not trying to go into more of the entire world now and see to it that, okay, that means... If, I, if you have a child today now, that child is not a sinner until he sins, until he do something wrong. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay. Genesis 19 verse 20. Where it says, um, Behold now, the city is near thee, and the little one is now. Oh, let me escape. And my soul... Say, is it not the little one? And my soul shall live. And he's referring to a life. That means the existence of a being. So right to like, look at in the, the Genesis 27 verse 4. Genesis 27 verse 4. I think I will just give you some of the text to put down, just because of our time. Genesis 27 verse 4. It says, And make me several meat as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and my soul may bless thee before I die. You see it? My soul. You also see that in Exodus 15. Exodus 12.15. Exodus 12.15. This part is very, very significant. Let's go to Exodus 12.15. Exodus 12.15. This, this one even makes you see that. This one makes you see much of how it is you that is responsible for your own sin. Exodus 12.15. Exodus 12.15. It says, Seven days... Ye shall live on living bread. Even the first day ye shall put away the living out of your house. For whosoever liveth your living bread for the first day until the seventh day, that soul, you see, it says that soul shall be cut off. That means this signifies the one that is that person will bear his own sin. Are you guessing what I'm saying? It says that soul will be cut off from Israel. You see Exodus 30, verse 12. Exodus 30, verse 12. Just put that down. Exodus 31, verse. 14. This Exodus 31 verse 14 is key. It says, That soul shall be caught among his people. So that means every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. Also, you see the book of Leviticus. Don't forget, it's the same author that wrote the same book. Leviticus 4 verse 2. Uh, let's look at that one. Leviticus 4 verse 2. Let's go there. Leviticus 4 verse 2. The soul that sinneth shall die. And I want you to pay attention. Don't, don't just think in your mind, oh, this part is not necessary. Oh, this, no, no, no. Don't, don't do that in Bible study because you must be very thorough. Are you getting what I'm saying? Actually, in answering questions, you'll be able to pick out the gray areas and tell people, say, see, see where he say, look at it, this verse 2 now. Speak unto the children of Israel. If a soul shall sin through the ignorance against any kind of commandment of the Lord concerning without which we do, that shall be do, it says, and shall do against any of them. So you see that they, they signify if a soul, and that's 
This is more consistent throughout the book of Leviticus. That's if it is so. That means he's pointing to an individual, not a collective thing when it comes to sin. So such action will be credited to that person that committed that act, that sin. In Leviticus 5 verse 1, you will see, 5 verse 1 to 2, you will see it. If a son, he shall bear his iniquity. You can see Leviticus 5 verse 4, Leviticus 5 verse 15, Leviticus 5 verse 17, Leviticus 5 verse 17, yes. So now let's go back to um, Ezekiel 18, where we're talking about, where is, we were, we're looking at that also. So in verse 4, Leviticus, um, Ezekiel, not Leviticus, sorry, Ezekiel 18, where it says, as I live, said the Lord, they will not use this occasion in it. This is all souls are mine. As the souls of the Father is mine, so also is the soul, the soul of the soul, the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul that sinneth he shall die. That's in verse 4. In verse 5, it says, If a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, in verse 6, it says, If he is, look at it in verse 9. Let's, let's skip verse 6. Look at it in verse 9. At worked in my statutes and judgment to do truly, he that shall truly live, he, he says, to do truly, he is just, he shall truly live, says the Lord. Now, this, this was spoken by Ezekiel, shows that, and it shows that the children are not punished for the sins of their father. So, if you read this text properly, the text was not saying that they were punished. For their father's sins. No, that's why it says the soul that sin, it shall die. Did he say the generation that sin? It signifies that one person. It took that entity out and said, This one that sin. No. He's not saying the generation, he's not saying the father, he's not saying is it that one. And that's why we now have to look, go back into the other text of what the writer of the first five books wrote and say, okay, Leviticus writing, uh, Exodus writing, that soul that sin, the person that did something wrong. So look at him, look at him now. This will now make sense. So let's see what Jeremiah has to say. Jeremiah 31. Go to Jeremiah. They seem to now. This is the previous writer. You know, I used to tell you, you know, I told you in studying the book, you must read what the previous writer has said. Look at it, Jeremiah 31, verse 29. Jeremiah 31, verse 21, verse 29. It says that the Chaldeans shall that fight against the city shall come and see fire on the city and burn it to the house, upon whose roof they have offered incense into Baal and poured out drink offering unto other gods and provoked me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done only evil before me from their youth, and the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, said the Lord. For the city have been to me as a provocation of their anger, and my fury of the day, and they built it unto this day. And I shall remove it from before my face, because of all the evil of the children of the, of the, of the, of the children of Israel and children of Judah, which thou hast done to provoke me to anger. They and the kings and the priests and the priests, the princes and the priests, and their prophets and the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and they have turned their face unto thy back, in houses unto thy back, and not the face, though I taught them, rising up early, teaching them, and yet have akin to their instruction. Look at it, verse 34 now. In that says, but they set the abomination in their hands and called by my name to defile it. In that says in verse, um, look at it, verse 35 now. Oh, am I reading the right thing? I'm not, right? Ah, me too, I'm sorry. 
Sorry. What did I call for you? Jeremiah. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Jeremiah 31. Okay, sorry, sorry. Ah, me too, I was reading that. Sorry. Jeremiah 31 verse 29. In those days, they shall no more, in those days shall, shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. See, look at it too. You know, it says, in those days, they shall no more say. The fathers have eaten sour grape, the children's teeth are set on the edge. That is, you cannot say that it's everybody that is, hmm. Everybody shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. <laughs> it's no more the father and the family again. You know, before now, they say the father have eaten sour grape, the children see that, hey, the children see that shaky. But now it says, hmm, if every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. No more passing it down. <laughs> now, it now says that in verse 30, it now says in verse 31, Behold, the days coming, I will make the new covenant to the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which I made unto thy father, which I took them in the house of which, which, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, which is the covenant that break unto them. And it says, Though I am the husband to them, saith the Lord, but this shall the covenant that I will make unto the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my law in their, in the, into their inward parts, write it in their hearts, and they shall be my God, and they shall be my people. And it now says in verse 34, Shall no man and children, they teach no man, every man is neighbor, and every man saying, Know ye the Lord, for ye shall know me from the least to the greatest. Say the Lord, and I will forgive all iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. But what can you observe in every investity? It says, Every soul that what sin will die for his own iniquity. Observe that in that, also in verse 31 to 30, in verse 33 to 34, now you started talking about the covenant and putting it in addition to what Moses and Elijah are saying, putting their responsibility of their sins on God. That, okay, I will make a new covenant with you. I will not put, you will know me. I will forgive your iniquity. You started doing those things. And so Ezekiel and Jeremiah explained sin as action of the individual and no more that you are punished and no one is punished for the sin of another person. Are you getting it now? So, so what does, so another question is, what is Exodus 20 verse 5 explaining? Now, let me, let's go to Exodus 20 verse 5. Let's go there. Another question you will ask me, because it seems as though these writers of Ezekiel and Jeremiah seem to be explaining a proverb that is used in Israel. Are you seeing it? That, hey, you should not say this now. Let's go to Exodus 20 verse 5. And I want all of us to read it. Exodus 20 verse 5. So you see where this generational cause people is to bring their theory from. So you, so you can safely say you have no generational cause. We can also title this series, You Are Not, a, you are not Cost. <laughs> you can say, you can say, yeah, we how we are telling you are not born is you are not born a sinner, you are not born cost. <laughs> okay, let's read this the Exodus 20, verse 5. Thou shalt not bow thyself to him, thyself, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, and be jealous God, visiting what the iniquities of our father upon the children, unto the third and third generation of them that hate me. And you see, so it now means that if I do visit the iniquities, iniquity will mean you're wrong. That wrong will be spread. <laughs> so what is the, what what is that explaining? Don't forget the key word there is visit the iniquity of them that hate me. And that word visit means to attend to. That's the word visit. 
is what to attain to. It's just like in Genesis 21, verse 1, where it says the Lord visited Sarah. Attended to Sarah. When it says the Lord visited, divine visitation, divine attendance. The Lord attended to me. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay. So, the key word there now is visiting the iniquity and of them that eat me. So, that word visiting implies to attend to, to observe, to seek, to look for, or to look after, or to care for. So, the Lord attended to Sarah according to his promise in Genesis 21 verse 1. Also, in Genesis 39 verse 4 to 5, you will see Joseph was made the overseer and he catered over, when he says he visits, he catered over and took affairs of Potiphar's house. That's what took charge. Mm, I'm just trying to explain that word visit now. Um, you also see in Genesis 40 verse 4, the captain of the guard um, charged Joseph with them and served them and continued a season in the world. So Joseph made the overseer to cater for because we said the word visit means to observe, to seek, right? To, uh, to care for, to look after. Okay, you also see um, Exodus, no Exodus, Genesis 41 verse 34. Just put this down for your reference. Genesis 50, 24 to 25. Exodus 3, 16. Exodus 4, 31. Exodus 20, verse 5. Exodus 30, verse 12 to 14. Um, Exodus 32, verse 34, where it says, He visits, I will visit their sins upon them. In that Exodus 32, verse 34, it says, I will visit their sins upon them. Let's go to that Exodus 32, verse 34. Are you learning something? He says, Now, therefore now go lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee, Behold, my angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I will visit, and I will visit their sins upon them. It says, he will visit their sins upon them. So, Moses would, Moses was implied that their sins will be taken care of, will be catered for. So when he says, so this means that Moses was restating God's faithfulness to them. Restating God's faithfulness to his promise. He wasn't saying, that visit them. Remember, that's why I say we have to read the content. That visit there does not mean that they will be judged, you know, for his sin. They will take the repercussion. So can we say, the visit will mean to taking care of, that God will take care of the generation themselves, itself. Can that be his promise? Taking care of his promise? I'm not forgetting what I'm saying. He says, okay, what did we say visit is? 
observe, see, careful, look after. So I would say God will look after it. Are you seeing it? God will take care of that sin. So that's why he says in Exodus 34, look at in Exodus 34, verse 7. Exodus 34, verse 7, where he says, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities as transgender, and, and I wanted to say transgender. See, 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 see what is going on now. Keeping iniquities and transgression. <laughs> Where did it look like transgender too? <laughs> see, this is a transgression. And sins, and by and that we by no means clear guilty, visiting the iniquities of thy father upon the children and upon the children, children, and upon the fourth generation. <laughs> but don't forget what this is. It says keeping mercy for thousands. Hallelujah. So, he says he will visit. Can we say he will take care of? He will take care of the sins. Are you seeing it? Alright. Look at in Numbers 14 verse 18. Look at Numbers 14 verse 18. Numbers 14 verse 18. Is this making sense to us? Oh, sure. Numbers 14 verse 18. It says, look at what it says. It says, the Lord is long-suffering and great in mercy. What is he doing? Forgiving what? Iniquities and transgression. And by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the... Can we say taking care of the iniquities of the father upon the children unto the third and fourth generation? Is it making sense now? Uh, so when it says the face upon the children, translated a single one, and that word upon the children is translated a single word, ben in the Hebrew lexicon, and that word means that God visited the iniquities of the Father, is his long suffering, tender mercies, forgiveness of sins, and punishment of sins. So look at it. Now let me give you an example. Did God forgive sin now in the Old Testament? Did you see it? Because look at it in verse in this place now. It says the Lord is long-suffering, great in mercy, forgiving what? Iniquities and transgender. Trans, trans, <laughs> and this is recorded though. And this is, um, and this is live on YouTube. Hey, transgression. And by no means, what? Visit, is by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the Father unto the third and fourth generation. So can we say God is taking care of it? God is forgiving? God is long-suffering? Alright, look at Deuteronomy 5 verse 9. It was retreated everywhere. Deuteronomy 5 verse 9. Look at Deuteronomy 5 verse 9. Deuteronomy 5 verse 9. So, do you see that? It is if you don't understand, if you read the Bible in so English way, or in your own biased mindset now, that's why you'll be thinking, visiting the father's generation, it means he's judging them. I don't even get what I'm saying. If you, don't, you see why we have to go through that route of explaining the Bible text? I don't even see why we have to go through it. Because, you know that if I don't go through it now, if I'm just explaining it to you people just that way, you will not get it. You don't wonder, ah. Just like how we did that wrestling now. And we noticed that wrestling does not mean... Mafuemblo. <laughs> the same way visit does not mean he's judging them. 
Even if he's judging them, he's judging them in a good way. He's taking care of it. He's clearing this. Are you, are you seeing it? Uh, so it's when people want to be now mischievous in reading the Bible and not see his long suffering and not see when they when they, when the text starts with uh, just like that one, one we read now in that numbers 40 where it says the long and somebody wants to be mischievous and read it wrongly and say the Lord is long suffering, great in mercy. You now want to use it for deliverance text. They already told you that the Lord is long suffering, great in mercy. That alone, in starting a conversation, is to show you something. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. The Lord is long suffering, great in forgiving the iniquities and, and hey, transgression. Hey. Hmm. And by no hey, hey, pray for me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making sense. So, so we need to understand that. So look at the Deuteronomy 5 verse 9 also, where it says, Thou shalt not bear the servant to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord my God, is a jealous God. And when we say jealous God, remember we've studied that thing. It doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean he's furious. Like, why are you cheating on me with Samsung? Why are you using iPhone and Samsung together? These are the people that have boots. That's cheating. That's jealous God. <laughs> you know? But that's not what it means. Jealous is in the connotation in the in English language negative. But that's not what it means. Are you seeing it? Imagine God is jealous of you. Ah, oh, the person he created. It doesn't make sense. It's like say you created a, a, a book now. You manufactured the book and you are not jealous of the book. That the book, the way the book is going, people are using the book too much. People are writing on the book too much. So you are jealous that you want to take your thing back. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh, so that you have, we've explained this jealous before that it's not in the negative. It's, it's more of a zealous attitude. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that means God is so zealous. God is so eager. Right, visited the iniquity of the generation, upon the generation. And look, see, people don't read it to the end. What did he say in verse ten? Showing mercy unto the thousands of them that see. Showing mercy. Are you seeing it? Ah. Uh, so that shows that if you want to understand Exodus twenty verse five, God cares for take care of the iniquities of the fathers. And the children unto the third and fourth generation. So this will now lead us into a major study that we'll have to study, that we'll pick up tomorrow, and that is in Romans five, and this is what we are going to look at tomorrow. And would that this will help us? It will bring some light and some clarity in Romans five, and that's when we answer the question: Is every man a sinner? What is the effect of, we have to answer some questions on, what is the effect of Adam's sin on mankind? Did Adam's sin, is Adam's sin the, the sin of all men? Because if we don't answer that question, we'll be left with certain things to make us feel like, to make us feel like, okay, this is it, this is that, um, we can just, you know, uh, 
Adam sin is this. Look at it in Romans 5 verse. Uh, and that's where I'm going to stop today. Romans 5. Play for me as I play for me as I close. So we ask that in the question. Romans, go to Romans 5, where it says. Romans 5, where it says that um, by one man sin entered the world. It says, nevertheless, in verse 12, where it says, uh, by one man sin entered the world, and nevertheless, death reigned, um, death passed unto all men, for all have sinned. So, we, 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 we're going to answer some questions tomorrow, and we're going to answer the question of. And that's how we end this series. Uh, we are gradually progressing to the end of this series. I will say, is every man a sinner? What is the effect of Adam's sins on mankind? Is Adam's sin the sin for all men? Because if we can place it now, look at it. Uh, let's look. Let's let's let me ask you a question. Because let's let's just let's just be smart. Is it the same instruction that Adam and Eve have that Cain and Abel had? It's different instructions, but similar things, right? Different instructions. So, but yet Cain still disobeyed. Yet Cain still chose. It's just like today now. Are you presented with a tree? What are you presented with? The gospel. Right? <laughs> you what I'm saying? Uh, no, but so. That's if you want to now take it as literal, you know, that's a literal story of a tree and all of those things. And I told you that that's not what really was happening. But you know, today now we are presented with the gospel. Any man who believes the gospel, it shall be saved. But any man who does not believe the gospel, what will happen to him? He shall be damned. Did this bless us? Did this bless you? Did you understand something today? Or I just lift your hands and just let's bless God. Let's just thank Him. Let's be on our feet. My righteousness, my master and my king. My comforter, redeemer and my friend. For this I will praise you and lead your holy name. For you have redeemed me and saved me now forever.